Welcome to the Lean Blog Podcast. Visit our website at www.leanblog.org. Now, here's your host, Mark Graben. Hi, this is Mark Graben. This is episode 109 of my podcast for January 12th, 2011. My guest today is Jim Morgan. He is the Director of Body Exterior and Stamping Business Unit Engineering at Ford Motor Company. And we're going to be talking about lean and product development. And it's a preview to Jim's talk. Uh, He'll be a speaker at the Lean Enterprise Institute's Lean Transformation Summit, which is being held right in my backyard in Dallas, Texas, March 9th and 10th, 2011. So I hope uh, I will see you there. And I'm sure Jim hopes to see you there as well. Um, Now, before joining Ford in 2004, Jim was vice president of Troy Design and Manufacturing, a tier one supplier. In addition to more than 20 years of operations and engineering management experience, Morgan has authored or co-authored several articles on product development and is the co-author with Jeffrey Liker of the book, The Toyota Product Development System, based on the Shingo Award-winning research at the University of Michigan. And he holds master's and doctoral degrees in engineering from the University of Michigan. So I hope you find this interesting, whether you work in product development, or software development, or in other areas, because we talk here about some common themes about applying lean methods outside of a traditional factory setting and some lean leadership concepts that I hope you will um, find interesting, regardless of your background. Now, to find this episode on the web, you can go to www.leanblog.org slash 109. And for all past episodes, you can go to leanpodcast.org. As always, thanks for listening. Well, Jim, thanks for taking time out to join us uh, here today on the podcast. Uh, Mark, it's my pleasure. Thanks a lot for inviting me. Uh, I've been looking forward to a chance to uh, to talk about the Ford story and uh, lean and product development. Great. So can you start by introducing the listeners to yourself and, and your background and how you got introduced to lean and then maybe you know transition that into talking about your current role and what you're doing there at Ford? Uh, sure. Um So in terms of uh, my background, I've been in uh, automotive product development, primarily uh, body and stamping uh, development, for about 25 years, I think, altogether, uh, starting out at a uh, Tier 1 supplier and then eventually uh, moving to Ford uh, and the role that I'm in uh, today. In in terms of my introduction to Lean, um, I was extremely fortunate uh, to be at the University of Michigan at sort of just the right time when it was uh, really an incubator for a lot of new uh, lean thought and uh, development. I was able to work with uh, Jeff Liker and John Shook and Al Ward, uh, and by extension with Jim Womack, because at the time uh, U of M was working very closely with, uh, with LEI. And so I was exposed to a lot of the... Um, original work in lean, uh, both in manufacturing and then eventually in product development through uh, Al Ward and uh, the research that a number of students had done, including myself. Um, I also was very fortunate in that I had spent a number of years in industry before I went there. So I had uh, the opportunity to sort of see the other side of uh, product development, uh, non-lean operations. And so I think that made uh, the, I guess, about two and a half years I spent uh, working not only with those lean thought leaders, but also with uh, Toyota uh, 
product development sort of at their uh, highest point, um, really valuable for me, uh, both in terms of scholarship and uh, in terms of professional growth. And at the same time, I was still working at the Tier 1 supplier, so I was able to apply a lot of the lessons that I learned uh, real time um, and see what worked and what didn't. And that helped evolve sort of the model that uh, turned into uh, not only the dissertation that I wrote, but uh, the book that Jeff Liker and I wrote uh, on the Toyota product development system. Um, then again, talk about being fortunate, just about the time I completed all that research and completed the program at U of M, um, I was hired into Ford. Uh, they were very focused on um, uh, re-engineering or revitalizing their uh, product development system. They weren't exactly sure what they wanted to do. Um, and so we're looking for people with different experiences. Uh, I certainly fit that um, description. And so I was allowed then to um, apply a lot of what I learned and developed uh, over that time period at Ford. So it was just really the Ford story is such a wonderful story. Not only was it uh, an incredible opportunity for me, but it was uh, a chance to be part of the revitalization of a, just an iconic uh, global company um, that whose uh, you know renaissance was led by a really a new product right and so it was it was clearly a product led revitalization uh, and I had the opportunity to sort of be in the middle of all that uh, and apply a lot of what uh, of what I had learned um, previously and also continued to learn um, not only from uh, the leadership at Ford guys like Derek Kudak and Al Mulally, um but also from Mazda, who was uh, part of the company at the time, and uh, finally from the incredibly talented people that were at Ford. Um, and really, um, if there's a big uh, sort of uh, learning from all this, is uh, the power of providing some uh, guidance and then allowing uh, people to uh, to really enroll in the process or take ownership of the process and, and uh and how successful that is. In working with engineering and design environments, it's just imagine there's got to be a lot of resistance or concern or anxiety people have to look and say, you know, we're not cranking out lots of cars here. This is not a manufacturing environment. So can you talk a little bit about how you introduced the idea of the Toyota product development system as opposed to a Toyota production system and, and what that discussion is like? Yeah, that's, uh, that's a really interesting question. Um, the first reaction of most of the engineers that I worked with uh, was not a positive one. There was a lot of pushback. Um, there was a lot of, uh, you know, you don't understand. That doesn't work in this environment. Uh, our work is somehow different. Um, and uh, that's one of the first hurdles that you need to overcome and uh, one of the ways we did that was just by identifying the tremendous amount of rework that was going on in the process. And the engineers clearly were not fond of having to do all of this rework. And uh, we made it very clear that by applying uh, standardization to processes and to certain product attributes uh, and architecture, we could eliminate a lot of the rework by using uh, process and <clears throat> design uh, architecture uh, attributes that we knew were manufacturable, we knew performed uh, 
to the appropriate levels uh, to deliver the uh, product attributes uh, and, you know, consequently eliminate a lot of the rework that they were having to do and make the process uh, a lot more uh, efficient. And one of the things that uh, – and, and so that went on from uh, way up front when they were developing clays all the way through to the manufacture of um, the tools and dyes and things that are necessary to uh, actually produce the uh, the vehicle bodies. And uh, you'd be surprised at how um, pretty consistent the arguments were um, over time. But one of the things that uh, we reflected on recently was it, when we looked at the success of the overall initiative, one of the things that we looked at was what we called uh, pulse surveys, which is a survey that all the folks take um, that is sort of a measure of morale. And, you know, not only did we decrease lead time, decrease our cost, increase our quality, but we improved our overall morale scores uh, by, I think, probably 25% during a period that was a huge restructuring for Ford, a very difficult time. And so I think it demonstrated that once the engineers uh, became familiar with the power of a lot of these concepts, uh, it was a very positive experience for them as well. Now, back to what you said a minute ago, what, what's an example when you talk about rework in a product development process? Yeah, so um, you would uh, develop a, let's say, something simple like a hood architecture, an inner hood architecture, uh, that has a number of attributes it has to meet. First of all, it has to be manufacturable, uh, so we need to be able to stamp it out and weld it together. Um, and then the architecture itself has certain performance requirements, uh, for instance, front-end crash. Uh, or uh, pedestrian protection uh, requirements that it has to achieve. And um, if you design a unique architecture on every single vehicle on an inner hood, which really doesn't, uh, the appearance of it doesn't matter much to the customer, um, your uh, chances of being able to manufacture it the first time or by or having it pass any of these tests the first time uh, are, are relatively small. By using proven architecture, and so that leads to design uh, cycles of rework um, by using a uh, more proven architecture uh, that's just modified to fit the shape of the vehicle, um, you have an architecture that you already know can be manufactured and does pass uh, a lot of the regulatory requirements. And was there resistance that, you know, what you would call rework was considered maybe just, well, that's just the way it has to be I mean, in terms of the tolerance of that time and, and, and cost that was added from the quote-unquote rework? Yeah, absolutely. That's what made it so insidious, Mark, is that uh, a lot of the stuff that uh, was really waste, was rework, um, was just considered part of the process. Uh, and it wasn't until we had the opportunity to point out that uh, in lean systems at some of our best competitors, uh, a la Toyota at the time, um, they weren't having to do the same level of uh, rework after testing uh, that we were. So uh, you're going to be one of the speakers at the upcoming Lean Transformation Summit in Dallas um, this March. Uh, can you give us a bit of a preview of, of what some of the main themes are going to be in your session? Uh, yep, absolutely. Um, a couple of things. First of all, um, I'm going to talk a little bit about the Ford story. Uh, and the uh, incredible sort of renaissance that we've gone through over the last few years, uh, in particular the last couple of years, uh, in terms of all the corporate leading indicators uh, like market share and stock price and profitability, uh, product awards, things like that, 
um, just to make sure everybody's familiar with uh, with the fantastic work that's that's being done over there. I'll talk a bit about uh, more specifically in my organization uh, the changes that we made um, and the outcomes from those changes, and I'm going to talk a bit about uh, what I call a systems-based or holistic model of uh, high-performance engineering or lean product development um, that um, works on or addresses issues within uh, the three key elements of people, process, and tools and technology, and the power of fit or uh, having uh, various um, attributes of those elements uh, very well aligned and how much more powerful it is to work on the entire system than any specific aspect of that system. And then I'll talk about some very specific things we did within those key elements um, and, uh, and what the outcomes were from those. And then finally, uh, go on to talk a bit about um, the application of lean um, or a systems-based lean model um, across a number of industries, one I know you're familiar with, and that's healthcare, uh, but also um, uh, the opportunity to take on a lot of our, um, you know, current challenges, whether they be uh, environmental, um, <clears throat> excuse me, or the current economic crisis, or one of my uh, particular uh, favorites, and, and that's uh, something that I refer to as uh, designed for the other 90%, and, and that's our ability to bring uh, high-quality products uh, to a larger portion of the world's population. So talking about uh, differences in the products or in the development process for those other regions of the world? Yeah, so all of the above. Um, designing for um, uh, environments and uh, customer needs that uh, are not typically um, addressed, as well as lean processes uh, both in uh, engineering and manufacturing that allow these products to be produced uh, effectively, uh, delivered effectively through logistics um, uh, to uh, help serve uh, a larger community. Can, can you elaborate a little bit? I'm, I'm curious because I, I think this is something um, that's really transferable maybe as a, a final discussion point here is the leadership model they plan on, on talking about. And Hey, do you have one example you can share um, the, the idea of leading by asking instead of leading by telling in that very kind of traditional directive way? Yeah, that was absolutely key um, to overcoming a lot of the uh, challenges uh, early on was leading by asking, uh, admitting. Um, so if you think about the organization that I was responsible for, uh, was very non-traditional and included uh, – what was typically uh, or traditionally uh, a product development organization and a manufacturing engineering organization as well as uh, facilities, and we had it on a global basis. So clearly there was a great deal, even after 20 years in the business, there was a great deal that uh, I needed to learn. And so it was just logical to ask questions. But also by asking questions and being sincere, um, you learn more about your people. You learn more than just the answer that they provide on the surface about their depth of knowledge and their perspective. Um, and you also, by asking questions and really listening and acting on uh, the responses, you help to enroll people in the process and you help them to develop ownership of the process. And so 
One sort of high-level example that comes to mind is in our dye-making um, process at Dearborn Tool and Dye. Um, our internal tool shop was um, not very competitive when we started out. Um, it was very challenging. We had a lot that we could learn from uh, both Mazda and Toyota, and we did, in fact, uh, learn from those companies and implement a lot of those ideas. Um, but the very powerful part of the whole process was when uh, the folks took ownership and went way beyond um, anything that we had learned specifically from those companies uh, to develop a uh, dye-making process that's not only as competitive, but in our last benchmark in some aspects more competitive uh, than the folks that we learned from and with very unique ideas uh, that really became their own. And I think that was the power of uh, enrolling folks in, in the process and letting them take a lot of ownership of it. Well, I'm glad you're going to be able to share uh, your lessons and your learning uh, at the Lean Transformation Summit, uh, March 9th and 10th in Dallas. I'm, uh, I'll be there, so I'll be in the audience and, and very much looking forward to hearing um, kind of the fuller version of the story. But I want to thank you, Jim, for taking time to give us a bit of a preview here in the podcast. Uh, I appreciate the opportunity, Mark, and uh, I look forward to, uh, to seeing you uh, down, in, uh, down in Texas. Thanks for listening. This has been the Lean Blog Podcast. For lean news and commentary updated daily, visit www.leanblog.org. If you have any questions or comments about this podcast, email mark at leanpodcast at gmail.com.